0: stereotyping happens very often in the workplace. My experiences were being called feisty, sassy, whenever I tried to speak up for myself, because I am a Latina. And I think the stereotype there is that Latin women are just feisty and sassy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for black women, very often when they speak up, they get called demanding. I also was called ghetto once, because I remember I had told my story to people as a way of just getting to know individuals and having grown up in the projects. And I can be a very loud Brooklyn woman for sure. And I had gotten called ghetto.
1: Welcome to the Early Career Moves podcast, the show that highlights remarkable BIPOC young professionals killing it on their career journeys. I'm your host, Priscilla Esquivel Bolcha, Latinx career coach, corporate consultant, daughter of immigrants and lover of breakfast tacos meet me for a coffee chat every Friday as we either dive into a special guest story or I'll share my own career gems if you're a BIPOC professional feeling lost in your career or just need a dose of inspiration you're in the right place let's get started Hey y'all, how's it going? We have made it to episode 40 of the podcast. It's really hard to believe that we're already here and we're nearing the end of 2021. And today I have a really special guest. We have Latinx career coach Jasmine Escalera, PhD, who is huge on LinkedIn. She's one of 2021's top job search experts and she's a career and confidence coach who works with women of color. I had so much fun talking. Talking to Jasmine on this episode, we talked about the signs of a toxic workplace culture. And we might all define toxic differently. And what's toxic to you may not be toxic to me. So I want to acknowledge that this could be somewhat of a subjective assessment and may differ based on industry, geographical, cultural differences. However, the way we use the word toxic here is an unhealthy boundary violation and we all have different boundaries that we set with work and with others so please keep that in mind throughout our discussion. All right y'all I hope you enjoy can't wait to hear what you think of these red red flags. Hey before we head into today's episode I want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram at ECM podcast. Also head over to ECMPodcast.com where you can get freebies, read the latest ECM blog post, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. And if you or someone you know is looking for one-on-one career coaching, you can sign up to work with me on my website. Lastly, if you're a big fan and supporter of the show, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how we can reach other people. Okay, let's head into the show. All right, everyone. I'm so excited to have Jasmine Escalera on today's podcast. Welcome, Jasmine. Hello, Priscilla. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for being here. I follow your content on Instagram. I love what you're doing as a career coach working with women of color. I'm so really excited to have you on the podcast. And so why don't we start with you sharing a little bit about yourself just to give us a sense of your background and tell us what you do today as a career coach. Sure thing. Yeah. So my background is, is quite
0: interesting. I actually um, have my bachelor's in biochemistry, my PhD in pharmacology, and I spent 20 years in research STEM and also helping nonprofit organizations design research programs particularly around healthcare inequity. And now what I do is full time, I am working within my business, helping women of color to confidently make their next career move, whatever that be, and then to really tap into their work so that they can get paid the money they deserve.
1: Amazing. Very cool. And so are you originally from the New York area? Are you always have you always been an East Coaster? I sure am. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York.
0: I grew up in the projects in Gravesend and I have lived outside of New York City. I lived in New Haven when I was at Yale University for my PhD and I tried out Boston for two years as just a way to kind of try out another city. but. I ended up back here. And I currently live in Brooklyn now. Nice, nice.
1: Okay, cool. So yeah, why don't we dig into your really interesting career path of studying biochemistry, ending up getting a PhD, which is a huge endeavor. Congrats on that. That's a major milestone. And then ending up in a position where you were like, you know what, I think I'm going to walk away from that. Like, what? Tell us about that journey.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting because the journey of my business really stems from my experiences in research and in STEM. I fell in love with chemistry in high school. I saw my high school chemistry teacher mix up a bunch of things and create colors and smoke. And I was just enthralled by that whole process. I needed to know more. And so I followed my love of research, my love of science. And I've always kind of been that sort of problem solver. I love just solving problems and things. So it all kind of meshed together. But growing up in the projects in Brooklyn was an amazing experience because I was around my community, black and brown individuals, and I felt very much supported in all of my journeys. But when I stepped out into college and into the STEM field, especially, I was kind of met with a significant challenge in terms of really being able to find individuals who had a similar path as me or even look like me. So throughout the course of my STEM journey, my biggest issue and challenge was really being able to step into my identity, to claim my identity, to claim my story, and to project that outward in a very confident way, accepting Mm -hmm. myself, but still feeling like I could do that in an environment where I was very much the only one. And it was extremely challenging to do that. I actually admit very openly and very freely that I conformed in the workplace as a way to try to achieve the level of success that I was really looking for in the STEM and research field. And that just caused a lot of internal issues and struggles within myself to the point where I was developing panic attacks and anxiety attacks just to go to work. And I started to realize and recognize that other women of color were experiencing the same thing, this sort of feeling of, I want to be this confident, powerful woman, but the workplace just isn't me, isn't allowing me to do that. And the reason why I feel like I can't is because I feel like I can't really be my authentic and true self. So there's that feeling of like, I have to be someone else outside of the workplace, someone else in the workplace, and that can be really challenging to navigate. And then also, how do you you achieve success if you're not really acting as yourself? So I just decided I just couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't be this person who was acting as two different people dependent on the environment. So I did a lot of inner work to really connect back to my story, my identity, my culture And to just really accept who I was and to bring that into every single space that I was in. And through that journey and through the recognition that other women of color were experiencing this, I decided to take all of my leadership experience, all of my management experience, my hiring manager experience, and to help other women really be able to develop the confidence to own themselves to accept themselves and to bring that power that they have because of their cultural identity and who they are into the workspace to create success in the way that they determine and see fit.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're always having this conversation about code switching and trying to be our authentic selves. And it feel, it can feel like a big burden on BIPOC folks to navigate whether or not they want to wear a mask at work or try to be their true selves potentially open themselves up to maybe retaliation or a negative moment or or microaggressions. And so I think this is a, a debate that is often, I know my friends and I, we always talk about, can you really be your full self at work? What does that look like? And so curious, what helped you make that switch mentally? And what did you actually start thinking or behaving differently that helped you realign who you really are and show up as who you really are in all of those spaces?
0: Yeah, I get. it's so interesting. I get asked this question a lot of like, was there a specific moment where you were just like, nope, this is it. I'm going to just be my authentic self. And there wasn't a moment or a particular time. It was almost like a culmination of what I would call mini cuts that I kept receiving over and over in the workplace. I was trying to be what they wanted me to be or what I perceived they wanted me to be in order to to achieve success, but i started to realize that i wasn't actually getting what i wanted so by acting like them or by trying to really fit in i still wasn't getting the promotions and pay raises i felt like i deserved i was constantly being in a situation where i was the target of microaggressions or the target of stereotypes and bias i had people saying things about me so i really started to realize like wait a second so here i am sitting here trying to fit in to this group And they're still casting me out. So I think it was just a it was a culmination of a lot of different situations and circumstances where I just said to myself, like, it's so heavy to try to be someone else if I put that down and just was myself and really embraced who I was it would just feel less heavy. So that's really how it kind of worked with me. There wasn't necessarily a specific moment or thing, but I think that as people of color, as women of color, we experience nonstop and consistent cuts, consistent sort of undertones of bias or racism. And it just keeps happening and it just gets so heavy. And for me, I just realized I just had to put it down and just let it go.
1: Yeah, totally. So yeah, let's uh, transition into the topic, which is basically this toxic workplace topic. How can you recognize a workplace organization that might be quote unquote toxic? I think that this word is kind of funny. I think it's a little overused and maybe you feel the same way. I I feel like a lot of people talk a lot about like people being toxic and everything being toxic, but truly I want to dig into what are red flags at maybe a job, a company that we should pay attention to that could contribute to a negative work environment that could impact our mental health or maybe contribute to burnout or just signal, maybe we should move on. So what do you think about this topic in general, just before we kind of jump into it?
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to talk about. I really do. I think toxic work environments are so real. And often I hear clients say, Tell me stories. And it's almost kind of like in their minds, they know that they're in a toxic work environment, but they're not yet accepting that Mm -hmm. they actually are. And so I think it's really important that we talk about the signs and that we talk about it because we have to start validating people's experiences. Like if you feel you are in a toxic work environment, you are in a toxic work environment because the definition Mm. or signs can just be whatever you think they are. So it doesn't have to be that anything that we say today is the be all end all. If you feel like you're experiencing it, then you're experiencing it. And oftentimes there can be this sort of feeling of, oh, maybe it's just them, or maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. And it's like, no, this happens very often. And toxic workplaces are very real.
1: Yeah. I love that you said that because I think it can be similar to toxic relationships or even abusive relationships where when you're in it, there's this period of time where you're wondering, is this really happening? And and then you're mm-hmm. like, maybe this, is this normal? And there's like this gaslighting that can happen mm-hmm. for a while. And so, yes, I think it can take a really long time, sometimes too long to figure out, Wow, this is bad. Like I I need to get out of here. And I think it's after you leave a place like that
0: <laughs> that mm. it really
1: can click like, oh, it was way worse than I realized.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And and that's why I think it, we have to talk about the topic more. I feel like there's a level of trying to silence individuals who are coming up and talking about this. I know that every single time I post on LinkedIn about my particular story being a Latina in STEM, which is still a very white male dominated industry, there is always a lot hate filled messages that are pushed back to me stating that I'm trying to generalize the experiences. And although I am not trying to generalize them i am trying to tell the story because this happens it happens all the time so i think it's really important that we talk about this topic and we let people know that if you are experiencing it whatever you are experiencing it's it's valid
1: i agree so let's jump into your first red flag i'm very curious i don't know what your red flags are so i'm excited to hear what you came up with Oh, my gosh.
0: I I have so many red flags. It's ridiculous. Like I I think if somebody heard me talk about toxic workplaces, everybody would think that they were in one. (laughs) (laughs) So I think my first one is is stereotyping. And this is something that I experienced actually quite a lot during the course of, of my career, during the course of my time in graduate school, was stereotyping. And stereotyping is just, it's misconceptions, they're harmful, they're false generalizations that Are really attributed to a specific characteristic or to a specific member of a group, and they ignore the fact that we ourselves are individuals and people. So for me, stereotyping happens very often in the workplace. My experiences were being called feisty, sassy whenever I tried to speak up for myself. Because I am a Latina, and I think the stereotype there is that Latin women are just fat feisty and sassy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for black women, very often when they speak up, they get called demanding. I also was called ghetto once because I remember I had told my story to people as a way of just getting to know individuals and having grown up in the projects. And I can be a very loud Brooklyn woman for sure. And I had gotten called ghetto. So stereotyping is a big one and it happens very often. And so that would be my first form. And it's it's a high level one, but if you're experiencing that, you are definitely in a toxic workplace, because what is basically being formed is this us versus them mentality. And that can create a huge divide in the workplace where depending on what side of the line you're on, you're going to get specific things or not get specific things.
1: Yeah, Yeah. totally agree. And sometimes those are referred to as microaggressions, but Mm -hmm. honestly, they feel like macroaggressions. Like if someone called me ghetto, I wouldn't, I would be in shock, basically. It's like, what do you do with that? And and, and then the burden falls on you to like address it. And you don't know if you can go to HR to talk to anyone about it, right? Oh,
0: 110%. And there's a lot of research, actually, that shows that people do not want to actually go and report things that happen to them, because they don't feel that the work culture or the environment or leadership is going to do anything anyway, which again, is just That means you're in a toxic workplace. If you don't Mm -hmm. trust leadership or if leadership isn't taking things seriously, that's another sign of a toxic workplace.
1: Cool. Okay. So I'll share one of mine. So one of mine is around employee voice. And I think about how some organizations give their employees a lot of opportunity to voice their feedback and comment. And I think when organizations don't have channels for employee voice, for feedback, or there are channels, but they're just there just to say that they're there, but they're never addressed. They're never shared with the company. They never share like actual steps that they're going to take to address feedback, that to me is a red flag because it's almost like they don't care what you have to say as an employee and they're not interested in working to address any concerns, right? So I think that's one of my big ones that I'm always thinking about. Like, how does this organization think about employee voice. I think that's absolutely
0: a great one. And for me, what that makes me think about it is trust and open communication, that your organization has your back and that even no matter what you're going to say, that they're really going to take it seriously and they're going to think about how they can make it better for you. When we think about a company, this blows my mind, but when we think about a company, they're so revenue driven, so numbers driven, so much about selling a product. But what they don't realize is that there are people at the end of every single one of those work streams. Mm-hmm. And that even if you're selling a product, you have a person who's marketing that product for you. You have a team who's putting that product out there. You have a team who's developing the product. These are all People. So, what you're touching upon is so important. And it's really about valuing the person and their voice. The second one that I came up with was being overlooked at work. And this kind of ties into what you just talked about. And from my experiences, from my experience in myself, with myself, in my own career, and then also with my clients, it's being overlooked very often for promotions, for pay raises, for opportunities to be able to be seen in the workplace, for visibility. And so I see this happen a lot. With me, I was overlooked very often for promotions, and I see it with my clients as well. They're advocating for themselves. They're really putting themselves out there. They're being strategic, but they aren't getting the actual payback. So I would say being overlooked Often for any kind of reward or opportunity to have the company show you value for the work that you put in.
1: Yeah. And that makes me think about places where that's normal or it's like part of the culture that you don't know how to get ahead necessarily, like how to get
0: promoted.
1: Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like this random obscure thing where some people get promoted and you're like, why? And then you don't know why you got overlooked for this promotion. So I think it also goes back to lack of transparency, right? Just not knowing what does it take to get to the next level?
0: Yeah, definitely. Lack of transparency. And some companies, as we were just talking, lack of transparency, but also like lack of caring. Everybody wants to actually do good at their job. We don't go to work thinking like, I want to be mediocre today. So to be able to see a person's value and to create or help them create a path towards the next step or a way to develop professionally. That should be something that every single company really values. So you're absolutely right. There's this wishy-washy way of kind of promoting individuals. There's no standardization in that. And then also they just don't seem to care to
1: show you what that path is. Yeah. Okay. So my second one is around organizations that don't value growth and feedback. So Mm -hmm. if your manager does not really, first of all, they don't maybe check in with you very regularly. You don't have a regular check in with them. If you're not having consistent conversations about feedback, whether that's on your performance and that it's like actually meaningful, actionable feedback that is helpful to you and your growth. Um, So I I would say that's a big red flag for me. I want to work somewhere where I'm regularly getting feedback, I'm meeting with my manager consistently, and I know where we stand as opposed to I don't know where I stand, I don't know how to get to the next level. You're not being clear with me about how I'm doing, and so how am I supposed to imagine my growth and career here, right? Yeah, I totally
0: agree with that. And also it makes me think about companies investing in leaders because leadership is so incredibly important for an employee to have a good work experience. So many people leave jobs because of toxic work culture, but that's typically related to their direct supervisor or manager. So if companies did more of a better job investing in their leaders and really allowing for their leaders to create a leadership style that actually is caring towards their teams and is led by emotional intelligence, I think that's that would be a pivotal thing is what you're talking about is almost kind of having a bad manager, like someone who doesn't know how to lead or manage or give good feedback. And look, leadership is a skill, right? It should, it's a skill that should be developed and cultivated, but it's I think it's the company's responsibility to when they promote individuals to leadership positions to also invest in their leadership skills. So my last one is aggressive workload. I have to say that's something that I've experienced a lot being in the nonprofit industry loves to say, we're entrepreneurial, we're a startup, you're going to wear multiple hats. And that's just a way to blanket say, you're going to be working like a dog here. Um, (laughs) So aggressive workload is definitely something that we've also been experiencing with the pandemic where there's just no boundaries between your work day and your home life, because now your work is in your home. So I would say that companies that don't value work-life balance, companies that have aggressive workloads and that mask it in funky words that sound really exciting, like we're really entrepreneurial. That's
1: definitely the sign of a toxic workplace for me. Absolutely. I love that you talked about how uh, jobs can be described, how organizations can be described. If you look at these job descriptions online, there's a lot of interesting coded language that is really important for job seekers to really dig into, especially when they're interviewing and and considering joining an organization. Fast-paced environment, I would dig into that one (laughs) related to, to what you just said. Wearing multiple hats, dig into that one. Yeah, the whole startup culture thing is really interesting, because having talked to folks that have worked in startups, that means there's no structure, right? And you're like, you're gonna have to figure, quote unquote, figure it out yourself. And so you do have to really stop and think like, is this an environment that I want? And that I believe I'll thrive in. But I also worked in nonprofit, I think that there were a lot of values around No excuses. And those were values that were really damaging for me personally, because it felt, I honestly felt like I could never say anything that sounded even a little bit like an excuse. Because if I brought up an obstacle or a barrier, it would be, it would quickly be turned on me as oh, that sounds like you're making an excuse, right? And so that was one of the most damaging things that actually I'm still unlearning today. I don't work in nonprofit anymore, but I am unlearning the fact that I I like would silence myself or censor myself when it came to talking about obstacles Because I I felt like I'd be targeted as someone who made excuses. Yeah. And we could do a whole nother episode
0: on nonprofits. But I actually, I was in the nonprofit space for 10 years and I love, I always loved working for nonprofit organizations because I'm a deeply mission driven individual you don't have to work for a nonprofit to be connected to a company mission for sure. And I want to make sure that I say that as a disclaimer, I think there are some great nonprofit organizations out there. And then again, I think there are some toxic nonprofit organizations out there that do run in ways that unfortunately nonprofits have to fight for money and get grant funding. And so they really try to utilize individuals to the max. And that's, that's just, again, a toxic workplace. And you have to, I love how you said to think about what is it that would, what is it that you need to thrive? And that's what you need to really be thinking about. When I was younger in my career, I loved working for startup style places and places where I could wear multiple hats because I wanted to learn. It was my first career experience. I wanted to get the most experience that I possibly could to put on my resume so that I could build my brand. But now, And especially when I was working and building my business on the side, my values really changed. I valued time and energy more than anything else. So I had to take a step back in terms of my career and my workload because I wanted to do other things for myself. And so I love how you talked about thinking about what is it that
1: you need to thrive and
0: matching that to your work environment.
1: Right. And values is 100% part of it, right? It's like, you valued that at a certain point, you maybe time freedom wasn't as important to you at that stage in your life. And maybe now it's important to you now, right? Yeah, definitely. That's how I was early in my career, too. I really wanted to make a name for myself. And so I was willing
0: to work in those fast paced environments, I was willing to work the extra hours, but it does affect you, it affects you and it affects you hard. So if that's something that you want to do, recognize that you want to do it, but then have consistent and constant check-ins with what's going on outside of your work life that could be then changing the way you look at your work values.
1: Awesome. Okay. So I'm getting, I'm lost now. Am I next or I think you just said one? (laughs) I just did one. I think you are next. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. So my last one is actually a little bit related to what you were mentioning which is the word boundaries i love talking about boundaries i think it's so important that we're really aware of the boundaries that we're setting in our life in relationships in our with our family and so many areas of our life but especially work and related to what we were just talking about i would say a workplace that does not respect your boundaries when folks are um, sharing things that are just not work appropriate and can impact the feeling in, in, in the room. I, I just think about boundary violation in general is, is a huge red flag. And I think too often people kind of just like look the other way or just kind of like deal with it. But it's something that you want to keep in mind, what are your boundaries with work and try to find a place that, that aligns with those boundaries.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it also makes me think very much about what we were talking about with values as well. Whatever you value, it needs to, that starts to shape your boundaries. So if you value time, your boundaries are gonna be around making sure that you have time. So it's gonna be really important when you wanna think about your your boundaries to also think about your values. I love that. Boundaries, I could talk boundaries all day long because I didn't have very good boundaries earlier in my career, earlier in my life. And I can't tell you how much I protect so much of my time, my space, my energy, my mental health now because I have to.
1: Yeah. And there are some industries, there are some career paths where working weekends is is part of the deal, but at least it's something that's agreed upon, understood on the front end. You're walking in with clear eyes, but I think it can get dangerous when it's not part of the deal. We have to kind of keep our eye out on. Yeah, I agree 100%. And also the switching of The way a job
0: works midway or just switching it on you. I've had this happen with Mm. clients. I've had it happen with myself where you think you're accepting one style of job and it really switches up on you very quickly. And that right there is can be really triggering. So really understanding is this the right environment or is it overstepping my boundaries is so important.
1: Totally. Okay. So is there any last piece of advice or a thought that you want to share with our audience about toxic workplaces, or even maybe how you work with folks um, who realize, oh my God, I think I'm in a very toxic situation.
0: Yeah. The first thing I would want to say is validate yourself. It's so important that we understand that toxic workplaces going back to our, the start of our conversation are very real. This is happening on a day-to-day basis to people of color, to marginalized communities. It is a very real thing. So whenever I work with my clients, it's about understanding that first and really giving themselves the love and compassion to try to help them soothe and overcome what can be a very traumatic experience. And workplace trauma is also a thing. When you are in a toxic workplace, it can cause an immense amount of trauma that you then hold as you move through your career it can also cause you to think differently about yourself and create new negative belief systems about you and how you work so it's so important that if you're in a traumatic or in a toxic work environment that you really understand that you deserve more you tap into your worth and you get yourself out of there and then you give yourself the time to heal from that experience Because even when it comes to microaggressions, these are small cuts, but they are consistent and constant, and they can be very deeply hurting to individuals. So it's really great to just think about how do I get myself out of this situation? What do I want to be differently in my next situation? And how am I gonna give myself love and compassion and heal from the trauma that I experienced because of this situation?
1: Awesome, I love that. I think validation is really important. I know when I went through my toxic workplace chapter of my life, a telltale sign was I'd wake up in the morning and my stomach would be hurting and I would just like completely dread The day ahead. And that's when I knew that was actually a big turning point for me, where I was like, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to start something new. I chose a long path to to get out, which was applying to business school. And I don't actually recommend that. I, I actually wish I had transitioned to another job and also been applying to business school. But I think it's important for people to to share what they're going through with someone that they trust. Maybe it's a licensed therapist, or maybe it's a friend or a partner, get that validation and start to think about ways to move forward. Yeah, I love that. Think about
0: your exit plan, because what I say is no one deserves that level of treatment.
1: Amazing. Thank you, Jasmine, again, for being with us today. Is Where can people find you online? How can they work with you if they're interested in working with you?
0: Yeah. So I am very active on Instagram. My handle is Jasmine Escalera coaching, and I'm also very active on LinkedIn at Jasmine Escalera. And if you want to work with me, I do take one-on-one clients for coaching. And I also have just launched a new group program, a career confidence program for women of color to help them make their next career move with a success-based mindset and the strategy to achieve everything they want within their careers.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. This was wonderful hey are you thinking about changing careers then you need to head over to my website ecmpodcast.com and sign up to get your free 20 page guide that i wrote with you in mind i wrote this guide to help you change careers and get really clear on what it is that you want to do next career clarity is key to a career transition journey all right can't wait to hear what you think about it have a great week